From Orms, this is Orms Air, where we unpack and investigate the compelling questions at the forefront of our creative community's consciousness. Joined by the artists, photographers, and creators brave enough to step up to the mic and join us in discussion. In this episode of Orms Air, we are joined in studio by acclaimed art brood creator, Roger Ballen, where we unpack and discuss the necessity of uncomfortable art, as well as his recent shift away from creating exclusively black and white imagery. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. This is episode two of season two of Orms Air. Woo! Yay! So today in studio, we are welcome welcoming um, the acclaimed art brute creator. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Roger Ballen. Ooh. Definitely bucket list um, guest on this podcast, I can tell you. Mm. Uh, so Jess, yes. what was your first interaction or introduction, I should ask, Ooh, to, to Roger Mr. Roger Ballen? Ballen. Uh, probably his early work with the Antwerp. Mm, yes. So I think that was early 2010s, around that sort of time period. 2012? Yes. That was when corrected. The, that first music video yeah. that came out, yeah. Um, and then I've kind of like I've been to his uh, his like ex- exhibition room at the Zeitzmacher mm. several times, and I think two years ago I saw his film Outland uh, as yeah. part of a screening in a short course that I was Ooh, that's cool. attending. So that that's been my whole thing with Roger Ballen. What about you? You'll know this if you've listened to previous episodes of Orms Air. A little bit of an Easter egg for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I studied art history through uh, an amazing art college in Cape Town called Frank Schubert. Yes. And the namesake of the college, Miss mm. uh, Jules Joubert, taught us all about Roger's Roger Ballen and his contribution to South African art and mm. the world of photography. And I think since I first, I can't even remember which image it was of his that I saw first, but since that first image, I was always fascinated by yeah. his work and sort of fascinated by his creative process mm. and really just got what goes on in his mind yeah I think that's definitely like the through line of this whole episode yeah. is just like wanting to try and figure out like what's going on there yeah. like what do you want to achieve with your art because as we'll mention in the episode it is something that has such a visceral reaction with mm-hmm. people and Thank I've always see. found it so disturbing in like the best way possible yeah. because you want to feel something strong when you yeah. experience a piece of art but I was just like I, I want to know what's going on <laughs> in your mind so so tell us all the things and answer all our questions and I think that if you as a listener have similar sorts of questions that you will have some answers by the end of this episode. So let Roger himself speak and answer all of the questions that you have. And also don't forget that Roger's latest book, World According to Roger Ballen, is available um, at every good bookstore. And online we'll put some links in the description for you guys so you can get your own copy. But enjoy. Enjoy. So I kind of wanted to throw you into the the deep end a bit and just ask you the topic, our sort of theme for this conversation outright. Um, and I wanted to ask you, do you feel that uncomfortable art is ne- is a necessity? Well, I don't really know what's a necessity, to tell you the truth. Okay. You think may think something's a necessity, but it, then it's not a necessity. Mm. Things that are not a necessity become a necessity. And there's always a f- flow of issues and ideas, and most things aren't very uh, verbal anyway. Yeah. They're emotional uh, responses to things that are hard to decipher one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So the issue of what makes you uncomfortable isn't necessarily the thing that brings you forward. Yeah. It could bring you backwards too. 
Yeah, because it, it makes space for that sort of introspection. So I suppose as you go deeper into yourself, you figure out what would push you and what would pull you back. Am I understanding that? That might be an illusion too. Already an illusion. What do you know about pu- pushing you forward? Where are you going? Well, I suppose that's the, that's the beauty of life, isn't it? Well, I don't think uh, life is beautiful or ugly. Okay. Life is life. I wanted to ask you when, you, when did you first gain an understanding of your own sort of creativity? Well, uh, I started getting interested in photography, I guess, mm-hmm. when I was about 17 or 18. My mother uh, worked in Magnum in New York, started one of the first photo galleries in the world. So I didn't really know anything about art or photography. I never studied art or, or photography formally, actually, in my life. Yeah. But uh, it was an interesting experience I had. I always talk about it. You know, when I graduated high school at age 18 in June uh, 1968, uh, my parents gave me a Nikon camera. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going out there immediately with his camera, and I I was felt something uh, that I never felt in any of my other uh, endeavors. You know, yeah. I felt uh, I got obsessed Im- immediately. I was able. I felt thrilled. I felt uh, something. I was able to express something about who I was that I was couldn't hadn't found in any other in- endeavor. And, and so I guess I caught the disease about that point, seventeen or eighteen. Okay. And did you, um, were there sort of influences that guided that? Well, the or? influences at the time were photographers of my mother had something to do with, like Cartier-Bresson, okay. Cortez, yeah. Elliot Erwitt, Davidson, the, the people uh, who were very famous in photography at the time and who were mostly working for, for Magnum. So mm. these were the influences. I, you know, I didn't have any background in other arts, but yeah. about age 20, I took a couple um, history of art classes I remember, and, and then I started to have some understanding what the, what the history of art was about. So mm-hmm. that then added to my understanding of, of art. Yeah, art is a... But I mean, art in those days, we have to always, you know, it's hard for somebody from one generation to understand what, what went on in another generation. I mean, art was of course, a, yeah. a minuscule, it is, it's still a minuscule part of human, yeah. uh, the human context. But I mean, in those days, it was a hundred times less. It wasn't very talked about it wasn't very wasn't seen it wasn't thought about it there were a few people interested in it but it wasn't like it is now with art fairs and yeah. art fashion and art this and art that so you know you didn't come into contact with it in the, in the same way yeah i suppose we are we are so um exposed to it now but i feel like no but it's just like a you, you were exposed to it but then lost touch with it at the same time mm. you think you think you you think you're gaining knowledge but sometimes you're going backwards as i said yeah. My opinion. Easy. Everything I say today is in my opinion. Of course, yes. <laughs> so I wanted to sort of speak about your career a little bit. Um, obviously, when I, I studied art and when I did art history lessons, we, we, we spoke a lot about you. And then as an adult, I also gained an interest or a grown person, an interest in your work. Um, and I know that you often speak about the link between the experience of being sort of in that uncomfortable space, in that space where you are forced to be introspective um, and how that allows for sort of growth or stepping back or the, the push and the pull of backwards and forwards. But do you feel that this, this sort of state is true for both the creator or the artist and for the viewer themselves? Yeah, you know... I don't. I don't really know what works for people. I tell you the mm. truth, and the way the mind functions, the way the way the mind uh, 
interprets itself. Yeah. The way the mind interprets other things, the way the mind fools the mind, the way the mind is, because the mind is an enigma anyway. Yeah, completely. So to try to put these things into some sort of how to do it situation mm. is is a big mistake. Mm-hmm. That's part of the mistake out there, you see. Hope you understand that. Yeah. It's part of the mistake, how to do this, how to do that. Yeah. Those are the best-selling books these days. Yeah, of course. How to make a, a pizza and then grow older or something, you know. <laughs> so these are the problems. Yeah. There's no a f- formulated relationship between what we may say and mm-hmm. what we may feel and where the path that it takes you on. Everybody's path is a bit different and how you interpret it in terms of words is also a bit, uh, can be a bit misguided. Yeah. So be careful about these things. Mm-hmm. It's a very hard thing to put in the words, you know, yeah. whether you should be uncomfortable and that'll take you forward. That's the way to go forward. I mean, that's behaviorism in psychology and there is something about the fact that you should come to some uh resolution with your own fears and mm-hmm. how do you come the resolution about your own fears well you have to confront them and, and get reinforcement and by reinf- by overcoming those fears physically and emotionally then you then you go forward that's a yeah a psychological field discovered by skinner i guess 50 60 70 80 years ago yeah so yeah i mean i think uh in to answer your question yeah, it is good to stick your challenge yourself, put yourself in situations that uh, you feel you need to be in and try to have a path of so-called growth and not a uh, path of consumption and hedonism, I guess. But, but um, again, I guess for certain people, a path of hedon- hedonism would be a path of growth. So, you know, yeah. so I can't say. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's also, we're sort of asking you to predict humankind or the human psyche as you said everybody is the seven billion people on the planet exactly yeah and uh i can't get into one of those heads yeah (laughs) but at least you you sort of are i suppose that's also the beauty of it right you are the not almost captain of your own ship or master of your own universe but you are in line with your own mind and that's i wouldn't necessarily say that either okay you're a function of a lot of things yeah you're a function of your biology Mm -hmm. function of other things, a lot of those other things, you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. This is a, a, a thing that uh, makes people a little nervous. Mm, it does. They're actually just a function of something else, and you have no ability to understand it and never will. And that makes people anxious. It does. And they decide to go to the restaurant or watch some movie on Netflix if they think that. Yeah. Or maybe take an antidepressant. That's part of the problem. Yeah. They can only get so far, and then they get a little nervous, and then they go backwards. But is that nervousness not a space to sort of aim to be in? There's neurotic nervousness and evasion, and then there's existential nervousness. They can be divided simply into two types of nervousnesses. Mm. Okay. Um, I wanted to also sort of touch on your... um, your influences. I know we we sort of talk a lot on the podcast about um, the influence of our intention um, on our creative outcomes, so our work or whatever we're sort of working towards. And we apply less focus on our technical training as a photographer or a videographer or a painter. And we focus more on our intentions with the outcome of our process. Um, and what I found really fascinating about your growth as an artist or a creative is that you studied two subjects 
that at surface level may not seem like they are interlinked, but actually if you look on a deeper level, they are very much linked. I and mean, obviously I'm talking about your geology studies and your psychology studies. Um, did you, when you sort of went into these fields, did you go into it with the intention of digging deeper and sort of finding the deeper meaning of, I suppose, your reality? Because the earth and then human psychology and the psyche. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's why I was interested in psychology at mm. the time. It was means to an end. It was a period of the counterculture and the people interested in alternative ways of finding meaning and psychology was mm. in the limelight during those days. And, yeah. and I got swept up in that and I found it interesting, still do. And so... Um, I guess I was uh, lucky because, you know, at the time, uh, a lot of people were interested in it. It was very dynamic. It wasn't just cut and dry. We were yeah. rebelling against the so-called cut and dry. My children studied psychology, and it, they were, they, most of the time they were bored. It was, there was no wave about that. You know, mm. people weren't interested in finding out what's inside, getting to a deeper meaning. That's yeah. not part of the vocabulary here in most places anymore. So it's, it's a hard fight then because... Not, you're just a loner out there uh, trying to uh, f find some resolution to these uh, points of view that other society and other people are walking past. Yeah. But that wasn't true in the late 60s where yeah. I was in Berkeley. So that, it was, so that made a difference. And, and the geology was, you know, I traveled. Uh, by the time I was 28, I'd seen most of the world by land. You know, mm -hmm. So I understood the earth you know, in some way or another. Yeah. And, and I liked uh, being on the earth around nature and, and pondering the formation of things. And so that seemed to be something uh, inspiring to me. And because it was inspiring to me, I, I enjoyed the profession. And, and even though I don't do much of it anymore, I always mm. really liked the profession. How it affected my photography, I really don't know. It's, it's really hard to yeah. know what, what affects what. I mean, in terms of my own art form, the thing that affects my photography the most is just the pictures I've taken over the years that so you build a rapport and, yeah. and layer by layer on the work and you you know you keep learning from what you do and one of the things that might have had some influence to some degree maybe in those fields I studied but they're way back there way mm -hmm. back there and you know so you have a field understanding of human nature in some way or another whatever that means how does that when you put a camera around your neck how does that affect anything yeah what do you do about that i mean it could also I, I suppose i suppose from an outsider's perspective it could almost allow you to read a person better or understand how specific things would yeah, make but that's them. all verbal stuff completely yes so then yeah. the pictures are visual and so and then you have to make a statement that has some enigmatic yeah. meaning to it deeper meaning uh visual meaning compositional relationships mm -hmm something uh, that uh, has a, fits into what your style is about. So these things all get lost, and, yeah. and it's a complex net that you've got to build around the picture, around what you're doing, and it just might be a mark on the wall. It may not even have to be a person. Okay, yeah. What about the mark on the wall? Yeah. What's that about? What does that mean? What about the, what about the fact that the bird's eyes don't? Always stay open and don't blink. Yeah. What does that mean? What about the fact when you look in the bird's eye, there's no emotion? Or what's behind it? So these are all things you might mm -hmm. think about. 
I mean, that's a metaphor for your own mind. Yeah, of course. Turn your eye around, look in your mind, what are you seeing? Mm. The bird's eye. But is that not also just a human, that something that we do as human beings, we always imply emotion or apply emotion to other things, whether they're alive no, or not? No, but they may be false emotions. Yeah, and of they course. Might be, generally what you see in human society mm. through the media, through the art world, through most people's behavior. Mm. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to criticize anybody no. at all. It's full of what Freud, Anna Freud, Freud's mm. uh, daughter, referred to as defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You know, look at TV. You know, when when they when somebody swears, they can't even put the swear word on the TV. Yeah, because it might make people nervous. They can't even deal with the swear word on TV. Yeah. So you see what's going on, and you know, if a politician has any says anything of any real emotional truth, that he's finished. She's finished. Of course, yeah. Can't handle it. No, we live it. We have an eggshell emotional states. A lot of society. Yeah, I, w- I don't. I can't. I'm not uh, somebody who wants to judge any particular individual. But you know, uh, the world isn't getting better. It's not getting any worse. It's doing the same things it always did. Yeah, just that the technology is changing the speed and the way things get done. But mm-hmm. the basic stuff is repetitive. Yeah, basic patterns are repetitive based on certain human instincts, as far as I can see. Yeah, but it's the, it is that obsession with, with keeping ourselves comfortable. And we know how no. things work in this, in well, this see, society. This is, but this is all back to, goes yeah. back to the primal state, you know. Animals do the same, and dogs, what is a dog? Dog likes you, not because of you, it's because you provide it with food and comfort. Exactly. So that's it's a natural state of affairs that you're seeking mm. uh Comfort and stability, and and, a, and being in a place where your physical survival isn't threatened. So these are this is goes back to basic stuff. We're gonna take a quick break and hydrate, but while we do that, you can help us make our creative community bigger by spreading the word and sharing Orm's air with your community. We'd love to have you join the discussion and make your voice heard by DMing, inboxing, tweeting, emailing, or even carrier pigeoning your most burning creative thoughts, questions, and wanderings. Go on. You know you want to. That's very interesting, though. Because I think I think um, a lot of the time, from my experience, when I am with people and they're experiencing your work for the first time, there is a lot of the time that sort of visceral reaction where they, yeah, it is just a visceral reaction. They they almost cannot face it. Yeah, well, that's that's a good thing then. So yeah. I'm I'm successful then. That's uh, that's the best thing people can tell me that, that I had a nightmare. Fabulous, right to hear. <laughs> I'm really uh, have more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Is then, uh, you know, what are the? It just shows this state of uh, psychological integration. They're mm. not. That that work uh, gets underneath their skin, yeah. Because they haven't resolved certain things, so maybe it brings those things up. And if I'm if they're lucky, I'm lucky. Then they do resolve it. So that's the best thing I can do for people, I guess. You know, that make them come to terms with things they haven't aren't able to come to terms with. Then I've been a successful, uh, I wouldn't say artist or human, or I've been. You know, I'm not. As I said from the beginning, I. I can't predict what other people feel, think, or whatever, but if it does assist people in contending with their themselves or the world around them, then this is a, a positive thing for me and for them, and this, this is great. I couldn't be more happy. I wanted to ask you about your your shift 
in within your work, your work as it's grown and changed throughout the years. But I wanted to sort of talk to you because I've I've noticed that your work is shifting away almost from your image based and obviously your photography and your sketches and stuff. And it's being focused a little bit more on your installations. Do you feel that that almost allows your viewers to have an immersive experience of the the mind of Roger Ballen? Yeah. See, the thing is, is Mm. I don't really do things for other people. I, the work continues to grow and I keep trying to challenge myself. I'm sort of like on a, a river going downstream and the, the river, you keep passing new scenery and you keep developing new ways of seeing the world, working with the world, working with yourself, working with your environment. And these things evolve over time and, and there, and uh, you build on what you do. So yeah. you don't, if you start thinking about how I'm going to do things for other people, then you get lost as an artist. I think Yeah, you don't have to work with what challenges you and what develops and, and hopefully what, what develops gives you some sort of inspiration, some sort of purpose in what you do, and, mm. and you continue uh, building on it. And there are things that you do in your career that have a big impact on the public and the other things which you might think that are more important mm-hmm. have no don't have the same impact, at least outwardly. Yeah. And so it's hard to, as I say, judge what really is important, what isn't to the public, and the way things people interpret things is unpredictable and it's based on uh, on trends in the media and other mm-hmm. things out there that we can't necessarily uh, quantify but I, th- I think as an artist you know what's most important at least for me is you gotta have to keep challenging yourselves and finding yourselves in places uh, that uh, propel you to uh, to to work hard to get uh, to to get somewhere in that play, particular place or mm-hmm. to move in that place or to expand that place. And it's like going through one door and then you think you, you're uh, going to see the light and then it's the same tunnel again with another door in front of you. And yeah. But that, but you shouldn't get disen, have a disenchantment with that because that's the way things are. Yeah. There's no other way. We mm. think we live in a Hollywood type of environment where we think everything works like at the end of all Hollywood movies in a yeah. perfected way. It, it just doesn't work that the way. The happy ending. Yeah, there's no happy or unhappy mm-hmm. ending. Just forget about happy or unhappy. That's a word that comes out of Hollywood again. Yeah. Happy. What do you mean by happy? You may be happy in one second, then you think about something else and you feel sad. Mm. So what do you, what is what do you mean by that? So you're multiple. You're 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 as a human being or probably as an animal, you're multi-dimensional beings, mm-hmm. and all these emotions go into are all mixed up, and then we try when we try to put words to them but the words are inaccurate yeah but that's i mean you 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 said that earlier yeah that the words will fall short of the the actual experience or the the emotion or the the feeling that you're having yeah you don't have to yeah Yeah. the words have their limits you as a being have your limits yes completely and you know you're walking around like a one percenter basically yeah (laughs) you're not going to get to 50 percent. forget about it you're walking around like a one percenter, mm-hmm. sitting here talking. I always use this example. Yeah. You're sitting here talking to me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea what's going on, how this is happening? Yeah, you're talking to me. Where is it coming from? I mean. You don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. you, well this is, yeah, you're, so you're sitting here yeah. conscious, but you don't yeah. understand anything about what you're doing or how it happens. So yeah. This is you. Yeah. It's not me I'm talking about. This is you. Yeah. You don't even have a one percent understanding of what's mm-hmm. going on. 
But how do we how do we then seek to gain more of an understanding? Well, Is you, there a way? Or no, there's no way. No way. Well, you can seek it. Yeah. And that's a good journey, but it doesn't mean you have to have goals that there's an end result. Yeah. The end result can be uh, going from a point five to a point six. Okay. Oh, that's where you may end up. So yeah. what? That's good. Yeah. It's better than going backwards or going to zero. But this is the thing. Instantly, as you're saying this, I feel an anxiety that I need to reach the 50%. It's an yeah, interesting... But, I, yeah, but you won't measure it. You won't be able to measure it anyway. Yeah, this, but this is exactly it. So it's, it's, it's lost in some sort of mm. confused yeah. enigmatic process. And so that's... But that's well, that's the way it is, I guess. Well, you might, that's the way it is. It might be for me. You might mm. find something else and say exactly the opposite to what I say. So that's, but that's okay. Yeah. So my conclusion after nearly 70 years on the planet. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about your foundation that you're setting up. Yeah. Can we speak about that a little bit? Yeah, of course, of course. So I'm building a, mm -hmm. a museum in Johannesburg. Yeah. It's in... Forest Town, it's across next to the Holocaust Museum on Jan Smuts across from the Westcliff Hotel. So it's uh, easily findable. It's mm -hmm. called the Roger Bellin Center for Photographic Arts. The building's done now. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to move in April, May. Okay. And then our goal is to produce uh, exhibitions uh, that are focused on photography as well as painting, drawing, installations. Mm -hmm video and uh, try to uh, make these exhibitions that have some relationship to, uh, to what my goals have been in, in art. Uh, there might be one picture of mine. There might be 10 pictures of mine. There yeah. may be all pictures from one place in Africa or one place somewhere else. I haven't uh, decided on that. Mm -hmm. And each, ex each exhibition should be different than the other. And But ultimately, uh, I think uh, the, the work of the exhibition should have a psychological edge it does this word disturbing is a, a bad word it should mm. have a, a, a psychological edge my goal isn't to to do anything to anybody yeah my goal isn't to disturb people my goal isn't to challenge but my goal is just to produce pictures that, that i feel are, are challenging to me and, and if the, yeah. usually if they're challenging to me they'll be challenging other people in what way i can't quantify so yeah. hopefully the pictures open people's minds to art and photography and their own psychological states and and uh, and also make a comment about uh, make a, a stand or a, a create a level for for what i believe is important in art mm. so uh, hopefully sometime in 2021 we'll make our first exhibitions amazing and would this be like a collaborative sort of project with you and other artists yeah there'll be other artists okay. involved i i again i don't want to put it into a formulated state that, yeah. you know, they'll work with this artist and that artist. Yeah. There may be situations where we get a traveling show. Mm. There might be a situation where I really got very inspired by or felt something, somebody else did something important. There may be group shows. Yeah. I, I can't say, I don't want to just say, you know, this is the way it'll be. It'll, yeah, completely. The main thing is, is a holistic experience mm. put together in that space and it has that impact, for me at least, and, yeah. and hopefully for others. But not to necessarily formalize it because that's also a problem. Yeah. I see this all the time in art. It's going on here in the art world, you know, everything has to be formulated mm -hmm. for some so, some purpose or some uh, social, p political, moral purpose. And that's, uh, I think, strangling this, what was interesting in art. 
should be focused on the expression. No, it should be uh, should be related back to things like poetry and mm. philosophy and mm. some things of higher nature. You know, Trump's gone, Zoom is gone, Zoom is gone, Trump will be gone. Yeah, all these things will change. You know, but they try to get to some things that are, won't change. You know, try to find those things that have some sort of deeper meanings that have that will continue the challenge people in a positive way for decades, centuries, or whatever. That's, to me, the, the goal of art. Yeah. But that could also be the a beautiful space where stepping back is, a, um, I don't want to say positive, but is the goal, I suppose. Because you are, it's almost a regression back to the true art form. Yeah, the true art form's in nature. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, you don't have to, Go to the museums to see art. You can mm. just look at a tree outside. Yeah. Better than any sculpture. Completely. I have a bird in my bird in my um, office. You know, mm. bird cost me five rands in dollars. It's like thirty cents. Yeah. The, I always tell people the same thing. You see that bird over there? That bird is better than any art. Mm. It's better. Because it's nature. Yeah. Mm. Look what it does. It just doesn't sit there and do nothing all day. It recognizes me, it sings, it mm-hmm. flies, it's beautiful, eats, sleeps, it's mysterious, it's everything. Yeah. 30 cents. And, and the bird's happy because why? People sometimes say, oh, it's in the cage. No, but the bird's generally happy because it's it's got food, yeah. it's got water, it's got stability, and it's got no enemies there. Mm-hmm. So that's what an animal, that's a lot of what nature's about. Yeah. Know? It's missing the basic needs mm, and forgetting about what, the rest of them. Yeah, that's what, that's what most that's what most of life's about. Yeah, can we touch on your your new book that we're actually I I don't want to say it tonight because this will be released in a little bit. But you are doing a book launch for your new book um, at the Orms Cape Town School of Photography this evening, which is Valentine's Day, um, <laughs> the fourteenth of February, two thousand twenty. I really love my book. <laughs> Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Okay, so what is it about? Is it okay, the book is called uh, The World According to Roger Ballin. Yeah. It was published by Thames and Hudson. It's distributed and back in South Africa by Jonathan Ball mm-hmm. Publishers. Uh, so this uh, book came about as a result of an exhibition I currently have in Paris at yeah. Hall Saint-Pierre. The exhibition opened in September and closes at the end of July in Paris. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it's called The World According to Roger Bell. And it's, a, it's an interesting book for me and a worthwhile book for me yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the most important things, it's the first time anybody's tried to document what I do. Yeah, um, It shows me drawing, shows me interacting with my subjects, whether it's the animals, yeah. people, or, or whatever. And... Uh, it um, so it sort of opens up that world to the public in s- yeah. some way or another. It's just not just not my art pictures or okay. art videos. So it has a documentary yeah. side to it, and it also tries to clarify what the relationship is between uh, what I do as an artist and outsider art art brute because the museum in Paris mm. is an art brute museum. So that. The number of essays trying to clarify that and also clarify what actually is the world according to Roger Allen. What are you talking about? Yeah. What is this world? What does it mean? What is it about? What is different about it? 
How does it relate to other things in the history of art? So uh, these are all interesting issues for me that weren't necessarily um, put pen to pa paper uh, in other projects. The book also um, contains uh, about 100 black and white photographs that are divided into various themes that pervaded the work for the last 30, 40, 50 years, like wires, people, animals, real versus unreal. Um, there are a few other things I can't remember. And uh, also it has, um, it's the first time any of my color pictures have been, uh, been uh, published. So I've done color work for the last yeah. two, three years. Which, so I did 50 years of black and white, and yeah. for the last two, three years, only um, color. So it has, it's the first time the color pictures have been uh, uh, published. As well, uh, in the um, book, there's um, photographs of my so-called art brute collection. So I have a huge collection of things uh, that could be considered art brute. Um, it's in a warehouse in Johannesburg, and I probably could start an, an art brute museum. That would be incredible. So I think it's... Uh, it's a diff it, it'll give people um, a greater understanding of my, mm. my history, my work, where I work, the people I work with, and the so-called Bellinesque. Yeah. And what was it, you just mentioned your, your sort of like shift into color photography. Oh, what has that been like? It was interesting because mm. I never expected to do color. In fact, mm. on my website, up to about three years ago, I said I'm the last... A person, a generation that grew up in a black and white world. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself doing color. I prefer black and white. There yeah. were a few things I s said about that. Yeah. It was actually on the my website, the front page. Yeah. So <laughs> when the Balaness book uh, came out, and that's also available in um, South Africa, Jonathan Ball, it's a Thames and Hudson book. It's called Balaness, The World According to Roger Ballin, which is a, it's a, like a 50-year mm -hmm. uh, documentary uh book on the development of the so-called Bellinesque and it's except for four pages it's all written by me and it's about 350 pictures but yeah you know this um when I was doing the video for this um book because I like to do videos for yeah. each project um uh like a camera gave me a camera that to work with you know they said well here Roger make a video here's a camera Amazing. so when I was I didn't have a digital camera yeah. before that so during this time I was making the video uh, with this uh, camera. It's a still camera as well. I started making color pictures just by chance. Mm -hmm. And and by chance, I could see that the um, color ones are in certain situations were better than the black and white ones. Mm. So this was quite a surprise to me. And so I started to take more of these color pictures, and uh, which I'm still doing. So it's like a three-year project already, and I'm yeah. really quite amazed that with the results. You know, they took me to this other zone that I was talking about. So this happened spontaneously. So we always also got to remember when we t talk about how to do things, we're always mm -hmm. talking about how to do this and how to do that. But a lot of things in life just occur spontaneously. There's yeah. something that happens, whatever it might be, whether it's being struck by lightning yeah. or, or something happens, it just moves you in another direction. And and there's always a, a issue whether well you put yourself in the place to make that happen, or mm -hmm. whether it just happened that this you can debate for the rest of your life. You yeah. Some things more of that, some things less. But you have to be do, you have to be doing something anyway for anything to happen anyway. So of course, yeah. So you're always stuck with that dilemma. But this is this is how it happened. So I continue to do the mm. color work 
and I think it's uh, it's related back to to what I uh, did before. But like everything else, it has its own identity. Yeah. Before we continue unpacking this topic we would like to give a big thank you to Orms, without whom this wonderful podcast would not be possible. Orms is a cornerstone of the creative community in South Africa, offering industry-leading support, the latest gear, and world-class display options to photographers, artists, and visual creators, both locally and internationally. As always, you can find out everything you need to know by visiting ormsdirect.co.za. The link can also be found in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get back to the discussion. And the I wanted to ask you about your your videographic work. Mm. Where did that start with the Antwerp? If you look at the Valenes book, yeah, yeah. And you look at the world according to Roger Valen. My first we, we, video film will just say it's the same thing. The first thing I ever did was in 1972 in Berkeley. Okay. And if you look at what I did in Berkeley in 1972, the character I work with. Then you can see where people, the people in Plot de Lon, Outland and Shadow Chamber came mm. from. Okay. And people say, uh, Mr. Bellin, who is your inspiration? Was it uh, Don Arbus? Was it uh, David Goldblatt? Was it Fugard? Was it Shakespeare? Well, who was it? No, none of those. It was, it was uh, probably with somebody like Beckett or Pinter, mm. people from the uh, Theater of the Absurd. So I got involved with these people on, on quite a emotional level or thorough level or experiential level in my late teens. Mm-hmm. And so the, the character in the, this film called Ill Win in 72 was like a Beckett character, somebody out of Outland. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the first one I did. And I continued to do these things. I make videos with a lot of the projects. It was one and done on Dorps. The BBC did a Platalon one. And, mm. and then in 2012, you know, I, I met the Outwerp in 2005, and then they said when they saw my work, they gave up everything they ever did and reinvented themselves as little Roger Bellins. <laughs> <laughs> so this happened and went on and on and on, yeah. and then they became very well-known through the videos, and some of that corporated some of my ideas and some yeah. of their own, and then we did Freaky... It yeah. just blew the sky, and you know, I think it gets 150 million it's, views. Yeah, it's it's still beyond growing. belief. Yeah. yeah, it is like a million a month or something. Mm-hmm. It's beyond understanding how, how powerful a video that was to a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway, um, this was an important s- stepping stone in my career for, for two reasons. One, it introduced the work to a lot of young people. Yeah. So you know, before that, it was like a photography crowd. After that, it was young, lots and lots of young mm-hmm. people. And the other thing, I realized the power of videos, yeah. And the and I became interested in continuing with that, and because and and as a result of every major project that I've done since Freaky mm-hmm. has had a, a video with it. You know, Roger Bellin's Outland Theater, um, the Solemn of the Birds Theater of Apparitions, yeah. uh, Theater of the Mind. And so now I'm making a particular video in the next three weeks that is about an animated rat. So oh, wow. this is, so, but it, I think, I'm not sure, like I can't always say, but I think this is partly as a result of the success of Freaky and the other videos that, that I worked with the artwork on. Yeah. It's just almost an extension. Mm. No, her. but this is the thing, you gotta find, the, the installations are the same. The installations contain sculpture, they, con- uh, they contain uh, 
paintings, drawings. So they're 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 using other art forms, um, evolving these other art forms, and they're, yeah. they're parallel art forms, and they're extending the aesthetic, and they hopefully they'll interact to create something more. But if there's a weaker link in there, then you got then you got to either work on it or forget yeah. about it because it just brings the whole thing down in some way. So you got to try to maintain a standard. I mean, just the your installation, your room at the Zeitzmacher, the thing that gets me every time is the smell. It's just that that level of thinking, that level of thought process, that even your senses, your smell senses, are being like, you know, brought into this world. Mm. It's incredible. Well, that's the advantage. An installation versus yeah. a photograph is yeah. three dimensional. Yeah, it's more experiential, more physical, yeah. more sensual than a than something on the wall. Mm. So again. If you have an installation with photos, then it extends the sensibility of the viewer mm-hmm. beyond the something on the wall. They yeah. feel it, smell it, ex- experience it in a different way. So the total experience, if they're, well, everything's working in parallel, mm-hmm. it can be greater. Yeah. But if they don't work in parallel, then they can break apart the whole thing. Yeah, completely. So that's something to always think about. You've mm-hmm. got to stay on that level. Yeah. And you may think you're on the level, but you may not be, and you may think you're not on the level, and you may knock everybody down. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's hard to judge. Yeah. Well, I suppose you can't really tell until you do it, right? You know, you have to do it, and you know, like everything else, you get better and better at it, hopefully mm-hmm. get better and better at it, so you get more experience and be able to say more uh, while doing it. So, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process again, and yeah. that... And maybe something you do for a year and move on, and or maybe something that you continue for the rest of your life. Mm. I know we've, we've spoken a lot about how-tos and the danger of instruction, but I did want to ask you if there's any advice or guidance that you would like to share with our, our listeners. Well, look, the best, I'm not a, uh, I wouldn't, don't want to refer to myself as a, uh, you know, a psychologist mm. of the world. But I think it's better for me to focus on photography. Yeah, okay. So, look, I think the the hardest thing to do in terms of uh, photography is actually go out and take the pictures. Mm. Not with a sort of a phone when you're half on the half on the ear or the phone, you're sort of speaking to somebody and taking yeah. in a serious way. You know, so the issue is one, uh, go out there. You got to go out there. Two. Mm. What do you want to take pictures of? So this this is one of the biggest problems. I th- you know generally is to narrow the road down. And people who are younger have, have this problem with most yeah. aspects of their life. What am I going to do with my life? You yeah. know, should I be a doctor, lawyer, ex- dentist, whatever? So what am I going to take pictures of? Mm-hmm. And then so that's a big job. What next? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And then you find something that you sort of like. Then you have to continue with it. And people want to become famous instantaneously. Mm-hmm. They think this is going to happen. And photography is becoming more and more difficult every year. Yeah. So it's a tough field because there's billions and billions and billions of these pictures taken every yeah. year. It's not like it was 30 years ago and you had to have some capability to take a picture. Today the camera is better than, than my, the technical skills of the camera are better than my technical skills. Mm-hmm. I can look at something on the wall and it's dark. How can I ever get a picture of this? I pull off the Samsung um, phone and it takes a picture like it's daylight. Yeah, it's like magic. Yeah, completely. So the technical issues are overcome by the technology, but the 
but the difficulty of taking powerful land long lasting photographs mm. are still there. Yeah. But they may or may, the, the problem is even if you do take those type of pictures, whether they'll be recognized as another story and whether you can make a career out of them will be another, but yeah. let's forget about that for now. So then you have to uh, go out there and take the pictures, find the path and continue on it. Now for me, nearly all my series have taken at least five years, mm -hmm. not five months, five days. So it's day after day after yeah. day, going out there, doing the thing, taking the pictures, having the passion, having the discipline, having the focus, having the drive, and it, and it has to be practical if you're working six days a week in a bank from eight to six. Yeah, It's not likely you're going to be able to do this, so maybe you're better off taking pictures out of your window. Mm -hmm. So it has there has to be a practical side yeah. to it, and ultimately um, this culminates, has to culminate um, in a goal to either make an exhibition about it or books or something so it can be seen publicly and hopefully... You know, you get some benefit from it, whether it's yeah. publicity or sales or whatever, that make you want to uh, feel that what you're doing is something you want to continue. It doesn't necessarily have to work that way. You don't necessarily, or you shouldn't necessarily decide on whether you want to continue on something based on the public response. I mean, yeah. this this is all in confusion anyway. So, you know, it has to be ultimately an internal drive in yourself to 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 want to do it and yeah. and 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 uh, to stay with it and decide how much you want to emotional and time energy you want to put into it. So, look, this is not. It's just it's a personal decision, but please, it's very important to understand art is like athletics. You know, it requires discipline, hard work, mm -hmm. dedication, and although this is politically incorrect to say there has to be some innate skill mm. in the brain for that particular field. Like yeah. I'll never become a magi magician. It's yeah. not wrong to say that I don't have the biological skills to become a magician. I don't. I'm not going to become a weightlifter either. Yeah. But what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at no, all. No, I have a brain, visual brain. Yeah. That's it. So I'm lucky. Yeah. Maybe the visual brain is good, uh, strong because my... Your part of the brain is weak. Yeah. Oh, it's a little hard to understand. Yeah, your senses are compensating. They compensate. Yeah, completely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. No, great pleasure. Really appreciate pleasure. you coming in and sitting with us and taking the time to actually just talk with us and our Orms Air listeners. Roger, thank you so much for joining us in studio. And I know this obviously will not be out in time for your um, your book launch tonight but everybody i will link everything in the show notes below so you guys can go and have a look at roger's new book and some more information about roger's foundation and yeah i'll link everything in the show notes and thank you so much for again extending your time and your emotional energy and just coming and sitting with us and yeah imparting wisdom no, great Appreciate pleasure to be so here much. thank you very much and it's always a, uh, a great experience coming to cape town and uh going to the um, shop mm. or being involved with the people who do the printing. So it's been actually a long relationship with the company. Yeah. In fact, I saw Mike uh, last night. Oh, did you? And uh, so it's, it's, I'm really uh, uh, pleased uh, with the contributions you're making mm. on various levels to photography. So also congratulations uh, for your part. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye -bye. And we're done. <laughs>